Kalimera, kalispera, kalinichta. No matter where in this wild, wacky and sometimes wonderful world you might be, thank you for making the Highbury Squad part of your day. It is a new week. It is a blank canvas. Let's paint pictures. Let's tell stories. And the Arsenal win again. And we've got a legend in the house to help us bust through it all. Let's rock and roll, people. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Ah, hola, everyone. It's a fine Monday um, at E-Squaddies. I lose my manners when Super Kev isn't here, but I've got the best wingman in the house to help me dissect and discuss the Arsenal this evening. It's none other than one of Super Kev's favourite old teammates, Mr. David Hillier, the midfield maestro himself. Welcome to Squad Central. Good evening, Squaddies. Glad to be here. Um, I'm not Kev. But I do a good job. So, um, yeah, let's get cracking. You do a great job. And by the way, just had to remind the kids, all right, about winning, knowing what it's like to win, because uh, Dave's going to help us uh, feel, taste that potential victory that hangs in the balance for the Gunners. And look at you guys here. And I had a question for you, all right? Um, this is the Youth FA Cup team. Look at the two of them. Let me get rid of the banner here. Because it's hiding the cup. There it is, right in front of you, there right is. there. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> I love that shirt, by the way. That is the ultimate iconic Arsenal shirt, don't you think? I love that shirt. Well, I'll tell you what. Hold on a second. Let's have a look. Let's see if I've got one out. I've <laughs> oh, just got to give a big shout out to the Philly Gooners. Yes. Philly Gooners. <laughs> Get on there. I can't wear it, though, because I can't see with it on. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's have a look. We'll see what we've got here. So, oh, look at that. Look, look. Oh, look at that. You mean that shirt? That shirt. Is that an... Is it? Let's see. Last game of the season. What a number. Ooh, raise the roof, people. Won the cup. Won the the, the league in that. Won the league in that. So we'll leave that there. Um, Let's go back. I love it. Let's go back. I I love it. Absolutely love it. Super Kev is watching. So keep the love coming, uh, everybody. Big love, big love, mate. Wishing you well. I know you're a big, strong man. So, um, listen, just take it in your stride. Take your time. Get strong. Exactly. And that's exactly what he'd say to us. N17, lovely shirt it is. Iconic, says Tammy. Is that the shirt, um, Yanto? Oh, yeah. Not been <laughs> washed either. Not been washed. Still got the grass stains on it. Woo! And uh, yeah. I love this. No? No? Very good. He's got good pheromones. <laughs> it's been aired over uh, over a few years, 30 years of airing. So it's not too bad. I can't remember who it was. Um, I don't know if it was Warren Barton, a good friend of the show, who was telling us that he had a shirt signed from Hakkar or Messi, someone like that, and his wife washed it. Lost. Yeah, 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 totally. You don't sign uh, them. He... You can't sign them things, Soph. It just takes all of the... Oh, oh, it was a, it wasn't signed when I wore it. So why should it be signed now? It's original, I know. original, I know. super original. Here's one I prepared earlier. Blue Peter style says Ian. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Asfar's here. Trev's here. 
Chief Like Officer Tammy's here, Carol's here, PW's here, uh, Ian's here, Demsex's here. The whole gang is here. Let's get stuck right into this. Pat, did you have a good weekend, firstly? Me personally or the guys yeah. in, who are in the studio? No, no, no I, you, I, you. I, I had a good weekend, yeah. I, I had a good weekend. It was um, busy. Went to see my daughter in a CrossFit competition and she absolutely smashed it. Nice. Um, she's a beast. A little bit competitive. I don't know where she gets it from. So <laughs> I don't know where she gets I've got a video. She gets uh, gets caught up on the track when she's doing a lap, sees the person, then she turns on the afterburners. She don't like losing. I think it might run in the family. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of competitive, I went to the LA Galaxy into Miami game yesterday. And every you can swear, by the way, today, don't have any ads. I, don't, I always forget to turn ads on anyway, but I'll say it. All the star fuckers were there yesterday. Um, people that don't show up for games ever, you know, like Kim Kardashian was there and Little Wayne and uh, Halle Berry and uh, Mr. Beckham turned up. Of course, he owns the team. Djokovic was there. But what I love about Djokovic is he didn't come to see Messi. He came to see his teammate, Dejan Jovalic, Serbian, who is a striker up front for LA Galaxy. The game was going swimmingly. And guess what? In the 90th minute, Messi happened, buried the goal, equaliser, place did not go nuts because they were playing away, but still you got to admire the guy. It was fun, fun to see him play and fun to, fun to watch it. Uh, so he, yeah. Did he, run, did he run over after he scored and give you a wave, so? Up there <laughs> he with, didn't. With, with Kim and Kim and the guys? <laughs> no, but Kim Kardashian's son was his, the mascot and held Messi's hand walking out. And I was like, yeah, well, they could have picked another kid for that. A kid who's actually playing football, maybe in a club or something. Yeah. Oh, no. Little old St. West. And yes, Asfar, that is, this is David Hillier. Hello, yeah. Asfar. <laughs> Asfar Guna. Love that. Love that. Football royalty in the house. Everyone loving having you here. Right. Let's get stuck into it. I have a little agenda for you, all right? Um, our top five talking points. And I want to start at the tippy top of where I was getting my notes out. I don't usually make notes, but with you, there were certain things I wanted to get stuck into and talk about because you do comms for Arsenal.com. You're in and around the club. I love your insights. And I wanted to start off really in your position, midfield, because on the show last week, I said to ex-Luton Town Manager Paul Buckle that if the Arsenal are going to have success and if they want to win stuff, it's going to have to run through the captain, Martin Odegaard. Um, his form's been sensational since Dubai. And I just think he's not only one of the best players in the Premier League right now, but I think he's one of the best players in Europe. David, would you agree or disagree with that summate, with, with that kind of thought process regarding Odegaard and the, and the success that we would have if he's in good form? Well, if you watch... When when Odegaard's playing well, I mean against the top sides, there there is a there 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 is a fault out there that pe people are thinking you know we don't turn it on against the big sides, but against the big sides, you've got to remember he's up against clever players who are playing the midfield. He ain't up against a Burnley midfield or a West Ham midfield. You know when you're playing Man City, you got Rodri in there. You know you got you got Silva in there, so you got you got to you got to make decisions, different decisions than you can in the other games and. They'll they'll mark you easier. They'll get in better positions, and they'll 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 sort of snuff you out. They'll counteract you. But in mm. certainly in all the other games, I think he's he's a, absolutely a key player to to breaking the lines. His movement on that he don't do it so much on the left, but on the right hand side with Saka and Ben White playing in that 
inside um, midfield sort of position, which we're going to talk about later. I think I think he's key. He's key at opening up things on the right hand side. We don't see him down that left so much. We, you know, it's just why, why, why is that? Is that because of the way Ben's playing now and Zinchenko isn't on the left, or is that just in a, a general ob observation that that I, happens? I think a it's lot? I think it's because when Martinelli's playing, we we play with direct pace out there. We we we're relying on isolating, leaving him out there as a one on one, trying to get him as a one on one and letting him attack it. But with Saka and the movement that we create on the right hand side. I think that that he's key in there. But, you know, he gets back. He drives the press, which is really important. He, you can see him. He, when, he's on his, when he's on his game on the ball, also off the ball, he's the first one mm. to make that run. He goes past, because we're playing with a false nine, he's the first one that goes in. You see him waving the others on. He's starting that press. He's instigating it. So he's key. And I think confidence is key with him. When he's playing well, when he's when he's moving around, he's as fit as a fiddle at the moment. Absolutely, I mean all, all the boys are, um, and yeah, I, I think he's key to winning the title. He's got to be, but but there's you, you can only carry when we won the title. Jules Graham used to say we can carry one player today. He said so. Everybody's got to play at hundred percent, and one can play at eighty, and and we'll win this game. And and every week someone would have a little bit of a dip in form, but the 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 um. The presence of the rest of the team, the percentages were so high that you could carry one player, but you can't carry two. You cannot because two's a weakness. Two creates a weakness for the other mm. teams to expose. So short answer to your question is, no, we can't win the title without him playing well. But if he doesn't play well, we can still win games if everybody else does. Okay, so... <clears throat> Maybe this weaves a little bit into kind of what I wanted to discuss with you about uh, Jorginho as well, because for me, I love that Jorginho, Rice, Odegaard midfield mix. And I felt like in Porto, David, we missed what Jorginho brings to the table, ball retention, ball control, passing, opening up the game. Clearly, he can't play every game, or so I'm told he can't play every game. And there's a definite maybe maturation process for Mikel to learn about picking a squad to play in the Premier League versus then going to Europe. Do you think he made a mistake not playing Jorginho in Porto? Or are you happy with how he's balancing it all, all out right now? And is Odegaard even a better player when Jorginho is playing around him? I think I think when Jorginho plays with Declan Rice, obviously it frees Declan Rice to just be a little bit more on the front foot for a start. So so there is more um, availability players available for Erdegaard to pick out. But if you look at Jorginho's record, every single honour he's got is in cup competitions. For every club he's played for, he's never been a. a a league winner with anyone. So he understands cup competitions. And I think mm. the manager is utilising him very well. The Porto game, I think not. I think Mikel got it a bit wrong. I think he thought he could probably go out and play like he does in the Premier League. Porto were on a little bit of a dip in form. 
the the stadium was just a sea of blue and white, really, really intimidating. I've played in European games and you go there and sometimes game plan don't don't come off in the first 10 minutes and you don't know where you are. So you don't you mm -hmm. don't know what, you know, should I run off a shape? Should I try and change it? The team stuck with it. Um, if he'd have put Jorginho on from the start and said, you know what, we're just going to play a safe game here. We're not going to go and look to try and win it. We're going to play a safe game. Then I think that probably we probably would have got something out of the game. However, that didn't happen. The players couldn't find their rhythm, their Premier League rhythm. But Porto played an absolutely smasher of a game. They they fell on the floor when they could. They they duped the referee, which you know, which is part of the game. You know, it's it's gamesmanship. They used every trick in the book. But more than that, they worked their asses off. And they was super disciplined. They didn't go off shape. I had the heat maps because I was doing the game. Mm. It was like it was like there was a false field around the penalty box and 15 meters outside it. It was still green. There was hardly any access access for any Arsenal players. And you've got to give them credit for that. But when I think when he brought Jorginho on. He, he don't play well when he comes on a sub. He, no, he doesn't. Him, I agree. He, on, he, he finds it hard to get into the game. That game was so intense. When you make changes, they can have big, big influences on the team. And I felt it did. The Porto changes didn't because they were still up for it, playing a safe game, trying to hit us on the break. But our team, we brought him on and it was almost to try and change the game up. He can't do that. And he gave a couple of passes away. It was a little bit jittery. From the start, he doesn't do that. But bringing him on at the end, yeah, maybe a little bit. I think that maybe weakened the team a little bit. I mean, the goal, mm. you've got to give massive, massive credit. It was a fantastic strike. Um, it started so you three don't yards outside. You don't blame the goalkeeper? No, it started three yards outside yeah. the post. He had players between him. So if you if you look at the, where the ball was struck and where his position was, he couldn't see the strike of the ball. So he's seeing it probably a second later. After a second, it's travelled 20 metres. So it's already by the penalty spot and it's bending round. Very difficult. And I thought Raya had a not had a not a bad game. You know, he he, he came and did what he did. Um shame it was Dave, a real Dave, should he have gone instead should he have gone this way instead of trying to save it with with his because he went with his right, didn't he? Should he should he have just tried to save it with his I, I, th I think he went but... I, I think he went with his right because I I think he felt it was gonna go higher than it did. And at the end it really took a dive down and dipped. So hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah, if he mm. knew it was going to dip that much at the end and come in, yeah, his left arm would have probably got another foot out. Whether he'd have got there, I don't know. But um, but the, we see keepers do it all the time. They like to do that. I think I think there's a there's a thought process that they get more reach. They can actually go further with that side of their body when it's fully stretched out because that one's going down. Um, but, you know, it was it was a wonder strike. Um, I don't I don't think they deserved to win. I think you know, with all the shit that was going on in that game, I was so frustrated. Doing it, doing the comms on Arsenal, you can't, you know, <laughs> you, you can't say what you want to say. Do you know what I mean? Um, it was a and, bit dirty Leeds. It was Don Revy, oh, old school dirty Leeds. It was. It weren't even dirty Leeds because at least Leeds were a bit honest. I mean, um, the the manager's son was it Ken Senseo's son or it, 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 that dive he did when Havertz Havertz went like that. He didn't touch him, and then he thought about it and then he rolled around and then he screamed and rolled around on the floor he was worse than that <laughs> bloke at Manchester United 
Oh, oh Bruno, do you know what I mean? I can't believe oh my it. God. it, was, it Don't was get me started shocking. on him. Absolutely shocking. But they got away with it. They played, they played everybody. They played the ref, they played the linesman, they played their crowd, and they played well against Arsenal and they got they got a good result. But I don't think it'll be like that at the Emirates. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you say it because we talk about shithousery all the time. And um, we've been saying that, you know, Ben White has a little of the dark arts in him and Havertz definitely is physical, you know, puts himself uh, about a little bit. Uh, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be a lot different at the Emirates. What, what's Real quick before, because that midfield, that whole that discussion from Odegaard, um, to uh, to Jorginho, and we're going to talk a little bit about Havertz. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you what Porto played a low block, right? But by the way, these modern day they played a defensive game, right, David? What's the difference yeah. between playing a Newcastle low block defense and smashing them four one versus what happened? My brain, I'm trying to see so, it, but you see it, of course. What, what yeah, happened? So, so I, I don't think it was a low block. I think it was a, I mean, if there's such a thing, I think it was more of a medium block. When we see a low block in the Prem, it's normally protect the edge of the box. Let's get 10 players behind the ball, protect the edge of the box. But they didn't do that. They got four players tucked in really tight, didn't mind the ball going that wide because they got, they doubled up really well. But theirs was... 10, 15 metres outside of the box. So it was that it had that little bit more room. And I think that mm. room was was for Pepe because they didn't want Pepe to be on the edge of his box and then having to drop in to the area they was trying to defend, if that makes sense. They was keeping their line up there. And the last thing they want him to do is to start coming forward with the, the likes of, or, or any of the Arsenal players that were playing off the front. And they didn't want him to drop in to them spaces. So he, he kept himself nice and safe, just stepped in, covered his fullbacks. So it gave him a little bit of room because you might not have the, the, the speed and the energy at 40, 41, but you got it up there. Your first two yards are up there. Mm -hmm. So he needs those two yards. He needs that space to step into. If he's already up in it, I think that would have been trouble. It, it, the threat would have been behind them. So they, they, they let him sit. They kept a decent medium block and that allowed them to spring. That allowed them to, when they broke us down, to get on the attack. And we saw it early on with some crosses across the box. Um, you know, a little bit dangerous uh, on that, down that right-hand side. But um, yeah, I just think they played a really, really clever game. And you know yeah. they played a clever game because their manager didn't say much on the bench. He was very quiet. He wasn't animated. He was just thinking, my team are doing exactly what we planned all week. And they, they must have just done pattern of play, pattern of play, pattern of play. Nothing to do with when they got the ball. It was all about what they did when they didn't have the ball. And then when you get the ball, release a couple of players and then go and support the front. Simple, but really, really effective. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's fascinating to me. You were talking, you're talking about up here, and that's a conversation that, that we often have. And you, me, and Super Kev have talked about you know, plays like Eddie and Ketia. Even when Ozil was playing at his pomp at Arsenal, every now and again, his passing was just two thoughts ahead of the next player. Well, now I feel like we have a lot of this. You know, Odegaard is this. Uh, I think Rice is is this. Um, and another player who's been, you know, 
labelled a German giraffe and all sorts by many, um, insults left, right and centre. Uh, talk about a polarising signing, uh, Dave, is uh, Kai Havertz. And Kevin and I have really supported him from the beginning. Obviously, he's wearing the Arsenal shirt, but also maybe one of the most misunderstood players in the Premier League. I think everyone expects, you know, German Bundesliga Kai Havertz. Uh, and then, of course, at Chelsea, he scores the winning goal in the Champions League, wins that for them. But his form wasn't that great. But at the same time, he was definitely kind of, he was the master, the jack of all trades and master of none. Multiple positions, different managers. I can't, Im- I can't imagine that's easy for a player. Um, and the curious case of Kai, to me, right now, I don't see an Arsenal lineup without him in it. Someone who's played the position, but also, I want to know, do you see him as a number nine? Do you see him behind? And also, what's your take so far on Kai and the value, um, the, mar- the, the value, the ROI that we're getting right now from him? Because for me, up here, he's one of the best in the squad. Yeah, he's, he's a, he's a, he is a strange one to try and sort of understand. And I think we, as much as him, need to have time to understand him as he has to understand the style that, you know, and what, he, what what's expected of him in the team. He knows and the manager knows what, what he's doing. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. But what he brings to the side for me, and now we're, um, now he's getting a bit of confidence and he is, he is getting the credit he deserves. You look at the, first of all, his, his mileage. He's a, he, he travels, he covers some ground. He goes from right to left to, Almost left back and sometimes almost right back. He plays right across the midfield. He can be a be a centre forward, but he's he likes to float around. I, I don't think you can keep him in one place and expect him to be like a centre forward or a or one of the attacking three midfielders. He has to be on the move, and that's when he's most effective. But what I've seen with him in the last. Well, well, probably, probably since you know after Christmas when they come back from Dubai because the team are playing so well, he picks up on other players' movement beautifully. So when when Saka comes inside and Erdogan goes wide, Ben White picks up the ball. He'll just drift in a little space between the two centre halves, which drags a central defender away, and it allows allows Erdogan to get the ball, spin, and play Saka in. He's a he's a key player for getting other players involved in the game. His ball retention is excellent. He's, he likes to lay the ball off. He can be a wall, not just as a centre-forward, a, a wall pass, but he can be a wall pass in those inside right and inside left positions. And when he re- when he, when he he recovers the ball, when he, when he re- gets a second ball or he wins a tackle, it's a really simple pass for him. He doesn't give the ball away much. That's where he's come when he first come in the side I think he didn't know where he really fitted mm. after after a couple of months of you know really intense um training and being with the side and also the manager um you know in, investing in him saying look I'm sticking with you I know I know it's coming I think that's that's his um that that's where his glory's coming now it's been a bit long long term you know it's took he hasn't hit the ground running but People don't see what he's doing. They want mm. they want to go on stats. They want to go on end products and all that. Well, you're getting the end products now, and you're getting the stats. But I bet, I bet, I haven't looked at it so. But I bet if I looked at his 
um, contributions in a game, just passing, passing averages, passing accuracy. I bet they was the same in day one as they are now. It's just that we are more effective as a unit with him. But it, it's the way he drifts into positions. I just, I just love watching him. I'm watching the game, and all of a sudden, I see him just sneaking across the midfield. All of a sudden, he pops up with a little wall pass, opens all the space up, and then sackers him. It's as easy as that. It's as easy he's, as that. And when I saw him, it's beautiful. He's a smart, he's a very, very smart footballer. And um, I wanted to put uh, Boy 10 Dio's comment up here because we've talked about trust. And, and it felt like, in, in comparison with another unit on the pitch, felt like maybe when Raya was a little shaky at first, you're trying to build up that trust, especially with a goalkeeper and a back line. They haven't played together. You know, he's new to the team. There needs to be an understanding. And that has resolved itself greatly, um, I think. And the midfield, which kind of exposes, as you, not that you did that much exposing, Dave, back in the day, um, (laughs) that back line. And trust is important. And it does seem like Odegaard and Havertz now have this trust. Um, And when you talk about that movement and the ball and kind of little dinks here and there opening up the space, Trust is massive, isn't it? Do you do you think that's part of why he's also playing better now is because the players around him are trusting him more? Although they didn't think he was a good player, but it's trusting him within what the manager's asking them to do. Well, I think I think trust is a is a is a massive element in the game. And I, but when you watch Arsenal, there's no one looking up, seeing someone, and then not passing to him and passing somewhere else. That that don't happen in this side anymore. So there's everybody, the whole group. A trust in each other. Um, even even with Kivior coming in the side, he's only he's fresh, he's young, and you know he is just a defender. But he's he's been given more trust in those forward areas, um, and no one's not passing to anybody. So so the trust the trust is in the side. Um, but I think I think Havertz and Erdegaard do have a good relationship because he. He drifts into the places that Erdegaard's looking to play the ball. So he arrives when the ball arrives as well. So, and that's that's a key thing. Erdegaard knows that, that Havertz's timing is going to be perfect. So if he slides the ball in there, Havertz is already drifting across. And, and the other thing about Havertz is that he doesn't look like he's putting much effort in. He looks like he's, he's you know, 80% and he... But that's just the way it is. You know, Ozil, Ozil looked like he was half asleep all the time, but... That's just a look. You can't mm. you can't judge a player by what he looks like. I played I played a, with with you know players in my era. Chris Waddle looked like the laziest sort of player with sloping. <laughs> he, he covered more ground than anyone. He was one of the fittest and one of the fastest. And Steve Claridge, I was at Portsmouth with Steve Claridge. I kid you not, he was one of the fastest players up front. The amount of shuttle runs he did in training, the amount of work he put in in a game, but he just looked like he was. You know, he looked like he'd just come off a, a building site and was just having a kickabout with his mates. But you, you can't underestimate what people do just by, you know, what it looks like. And I think mm-hmm. people judge Havertz by that as well. He's he's very blank in his face. Even when he scores a goal, is there's the tiniest little <laughs> bit of a smile. And he just wants to go over and see his teammates. And, it's you know, true. And celebrate. It's like... <laughs> uh, there, you, there you go. Look, I've just scored. If that was me... <laughs> 
it'll be like they'd be side to side and I, I well I wouldn't know what to do because I only got two so I wouldn't really know but um, <laughs> you know that's some players who celebrate I mean who's that in the background he's got a bigger that was Jorginho when he's got a bigger yeah Jorginho yeah and also and the goal scorer yeah Gabriel knows how to celebrate a goal that's for sure they're all Oh yeah, yeah. He's got some pearlies. He gets them teeth out every week, doesn't he? But but what what a difference his goals are going to make at the end of the season. And you know, mm-hmm. we've only really got he scores more than than um, Saliba, but God, they're going to be mega important goals. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna get to them. And uh, just for him to follow up on his point, uh, Harry Simeu actually called him a Swiss Army knife as well. Uh, yeah, you can I, I mean, yeah, maybe he's finishing. He, he's not as Clinical, he's he's a little bit. I don't know. I want to say lackadaisical in the finish, but I I don't want to judge him by his by his body language. You know, he's obviously trying to do something. When he was in, and he just slipped it down the side. I think against Newcastle and outside of the post. You yeah, know, he should have. Other players, Jesus would have done his little dink over the keeper, wouldn't he? And Eddie would have slotted that in, and Saka would have smashed it in the top corner. But yeah, you know, I think he was trying to do the right finish. He he could have a few more goals in the bag. I think they'll come as well. Um, look, look at you, Mr. Popular. Need a director's commentary version saying what you really think of comms. Um, that's a whole other show, definitely. Um, oh, I like Fergus... working at Arsenal too much. <laughs> <laughs> Fergus from Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Good evening, Fergus. Hope you, Trev, and the rest of the boys are good. Go check out their channel, uh, channel Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Great guys. Absolutely love Dave's view on the game. Love when we hear from ex-players. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then North Bank, uh, Guna, great technical explanation, David. Thanks. I noticed Ben White was inverting on Saturday and Saka was moving off the flanks as well. Made it harder to defend against us. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ben White as well. Um, no doubt about that. So let's uh, let's just talk a little bit more about um, Havertz real quick because he's a player, gets signed, right? Gets a lot of hate, as I said. Do you think now you're there, you do the comms, are you feeling a lot more love from the Emirates crowd? It's coming, I think, you can see it on social media, it's building a little bit. Yes, he still has his naysayers. But are you feeling the fans feeling him a lot more, uh, Dave? Uh, Yeah, I I am. But there's always going to be their favourites in the crowd. And, you know, when other players are playing really, really well, the fans tend to they tend to miss the ones who are who are playing just as well, but they're not their favourites. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly there is there is not as much um, bad feeling and no one's mentioning um, that bloke. What's his name? Ivan Tony. No one's mentioning him. <laughs> no one's mentioning the money we should have spent. Because, you know, six weeks ago it was, oh, if we'd have spent that money, what we spent on Havertz, we could have had Tony. Well, the manager knows things about Tony that, that have obviously come out in the press recently. You know, he's he's a very confident player. Um, maybe a little bit too overconfident. And the manager made it clear that he wants players who are well-balanced and they fit into his his mindset. Mm-hmm. So, And he doesn't. And the manager got rid of players that didn't fit into that mindset, you know, over the last couple of seasons. So he's got to stay true to what he believes in the manager. And that that is trusting his players. And the, then yeah. the players trust their manager because you say, you know what, that player you got rid of was a fantastic player but he was a bit of an arsehole in the dressing room. He was annoying. Do you know what I mean? He was a bit of a big head or whatever, or he was cocky, or he was, you know, getting into little bits of trouble that we don't want around us. And the manager got rid of him. And players appreciate that. 
because then he's looking after his players, even if it's at the detriment the detriment to the team. Initially, mm -hmm. you'll accept a bad egg is a bad egg, and he don't want any of them in the team. And I think he saw Tony as that, and and I think he saw Havertz personality wise, and how we would fit in with his group of players as a much better fit. And mm. in that case, he can raise his level from eighty to ninety five percent by training with a team, working with him. And that's a good investment. Rather than getting someone at 95% who's going to upset things, get him in. Yeah, and, and I I agree, um, Wes. I agree. Uh, I, I wasn't a big proponent of Tony coming to the Arsenal. And I had some pelters at, thrown at me because I was saying that culture-wise, I just don't think he's a fit. And I think that matters a lot. And you've underlined it in terms of what Mikel's looking for. Definitely the DNA and the profile of the Arsenal player now is very different to the end of the Wenger era, Emery. Emery tried to remove Ozil, didn't have the power nor the support to do that. And we saw Mikel have the balls to do that with Aubameyang. That's when I, I was saying on yep. the show last week where and I changed my like, opinion Lynn, of him. Lynn said it there, ain't she? You know, mm -hmm. she's yep. only like another Aubameyang. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you mean I've gone? What do you mean I've gone? Gone where? I'm turning. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand. Help me, help me understand. And 315 of you in live chat right now, hit that like button, kiss it, nut it, uh, moon it, whatever it is. Just do it once though, okay? Uh, and just for Suraj, who's going to be listening on replay today, I promised him. Here's Vinny as well. So give it a smack, all right? That's the Dickie Bow for Super Kev. And of course, we've got little Vesper in goal. Raya style, saving it right Good there. Day. So Good <laughs> hit that like button. Um, okay, now let's discuss a little bit a player that was having a really horrible season, if we're being honest. And you could tell me if I'm being a little bit harsh. But since Zinchenko's injury and since Dubai, it seems to me like Benjamin White has gone to different levels, Dave. He's yeah. playing. We're now. Kivior's got the responsibility of defending, just like a traditional left back. And again, you're the tactician master. I'm not. And Ben White is playing the inverted role more. Am I harsh in saying that he wasn't great and he is now? Is this more suited? Talk to me about Benjamin. What's different? What are we seeing and why? Right. So I've been thinking about this for a few weeks, and I've I've. Although I'm a fan of Zinchenko, I, lo I love the way he tries to galvanise the players. He's, I think he, he's undermined Odegaard a couple of times in, in a captaincy sort of um, mm. issue. We've, we've seen it, you know, we, we have seen it. And, but that's coming from a good place. I'm not digging him out for it. It's coming from a good place. He wants to drive the team on. When fullbacks, any, when anybody, 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 we had it with Giroud, right? So when someone's got time, and they take two and three and four touches. That's not what benefits Arsenal at the moment. Arsenal are playing their best football when it's one, two touch maximum, whether it's Saliba on the ball, um, Gabriel, whether it's Martinelli, it's a pop, 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 and I'm in, right? That's when we see the best football from Arsenal. When Ben White plays at right back, as a, as a right back, I think he has a little bit too much time on the ball. And he takes three, four touches and things in front of him close down. Now he's playing in that inside position. It's a lot faster and a lot quicker. And he's a very good footballer. And when he pops it off first time and he's got, 
he hasn't got a, many decisions to make. It's simple. That pass is on there and it's got to go through there. I know it's got to go. Bang, it goes in, right? And it and it mm -hmm. works. When Zinni plays in there, Zinni takes too many touches. He has three, four, he checks left, he checks right. And by that time, the, the opposition have got their low blocking. Everybody's behind the ball, spaces are closed. Ben White doesn't do it when he's in there because I, I don't think he's looking for that killer pass. He just wants to pop the ball off. He just wants to be part of the continuity. And that suits Arsenal fantastically. And then the other reason is because then Saliba, who's a fantastic right-sided central defender, his ability to cover that right-sided centre-back spot and the right-back when him and Gabriel split. So, and Kivior, we see on the other side, as like you said, he's just a defender. He's just playing as a defender. It's so much better balanced in there. They all mm. move all quickly. And when they do, we just we just cut through teams like a knife through butter. But I, I will say, whenever anyone has too many touches in any area, Trossard can be guilty of it a few times. He comes on, he has three and four touches, goes across the midfield. And by the time he has his fourth touch, looks up to pass it, the pass is off and it gets cut out. When Martinelli takes three and four touches on the ball when he's not attacking somebody, he, he gives the ball away quite a lot. He tries to switch play. That pass gets cut out. But when he pops it off first time inside, gets the return and he's on someone's ass and he's chasing them down, oh, he's just on fire. Mm. And I think Arsenal are more enabled to play one-touch and two-touch football when Ben White plays in that inside position and we've got a, a stock, bog-standard left-back. Whether you know It could have been Tierney. Um, Kivior is not a lot different. But Zinchenko wants to do a little bit too much play. Um, too many touches on the ball. S simple. We're better when we move it rapid. And that's what we didn't do against Porto. So when we got the ball against Porto, we was having four or five touches on the ball. They got back, got into shape. And because their press was so good, we, we had no passes. I think our passing average was sort of 10% uh, lower than our passing average was 10% lower than, than in Prem games because we couldn't pick a pass out. So why is it then, just to stick on this a little bit, because you, you're saying so many brilliant things, I can't catch them all in the sky at the same time. And I hope the stream's okay for everyone. I know we cut out for just a second, um, but yeah, let me know if it happens again. Um, why is it then we haven't played with that speed. I know you can't play the same way all the time, and that's what made us a little bit predictable, maybe even towards the end of last season, Dave. But if this suits us and we're more explosive and we cut teams up and we can shred from the back to the front, I like the pragmatic style, of course, too, and that's what that's what helped us beat Manchester City. But... Do you feel like Arteta is different himself in in terms of how he's approaching games since Dubai? Um, I, I just think Dubai was perfect timing. Arsenal had been on a shocking a shocking run just before that. We got beat by West Ham. We got beat by Fulham. You know, two games, six points, six points so before Christmas against two sides that you know. We should be beating, and look where that would put us now. So there was, there was a real big wake-up call around that Christmas period, and and then we we lost against Liverpool in the FA Cup, which I know people might say, oh, it's not that hurts. 
it hurts to be out of the cup that early and, and it was a big game and it would have been nice. Um, but then we had Dubai. And I think mm. when when you spend that amount of time, sort of like whatever what was it, 12 days, something, I don't know, was it 11 days they was out there? Um, probably even a bit longer. I'm not sure exactly. When you spend that amount of time with your teammates, it's different to being in training and just spending all, I know they, you, you think, oh, I'm there with them every day, but but you're it's all the nighttime. All your downtime is spent with your teammates. So you're, you're talking about what you're going to do, how you're going to approach things. And also you're more fit and more focused when you come back from that because you haven't had the outside influences. Um, so I think that that came at a great time. Um, and I, I just think, you know, I want to go back to what I'm saying before as well. I, th I think when we, we're not a team that as a slow build-up, gets the ball wide, crosses it in, and has four players attacking it. We can't afford to to have that many players attacking the ball in the box on a slow play. So we can slow play across the back, but as soon as it goes into that midfield, it's got to be quick, 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 and your forwards go and score the goals. You don't see Declan Rice doing a, a Brian Robson run from the midfield and getting on the end of a header. And then, although he's, he is kind of box to box, but... It, not in that way. It's it, it's sharp mm. stuff, really sharp stuff. Um, so and <laughs> style Mikel's playing, and when when we play that, we'll win games. But you've got to remember that every time you go on a pitch, there are eleven other players out there trying to stop you doing that. So it's not always easy. Right. So I said uh, last week. I'm telling you about a lot of what I said last week, but I want your take on it. That. In the Premier League, we figured out how to cope without Jesus, without Zinchenko, without Tommy Yasu, and of course, most of the season without Thomas Partey. In the Champions League, I think that's when Zinchenko and Jesus come in really handy. Obviously, they have the experience the same way Havertz and Jorginho have as well. Are you, if Zinchenko's fit to come back, Jesus was on the bench. Are they getting their place back right away? Um, Jesus, I'm sure, working working his way back up to mat, match fitness, Dave. But Mikel's also been accused of not changing things and then players get injured. And then when he does, it's like, why do you tinker with the team that's winning? What do you see him doing? What would you do with those two players in particular? As a manager, you are you're, there's a bit of pressure on you, isn't there, to, to keep players happy. And you don't want to upset Zinchenko if he's fit. But Zinchenko knows as a player... If he's on the bench and that player who's on the pitch is playing really well, that he he shouldn't be getting in the side. The manager shouldn't be changing the side because if he was in the side playing well, he wouldn't be expecting the manager to change the side. So you you know you know as a player it might hurt and you might think oh I'm better than him, but if he's playing well, he's playing well. That's why Tommy Asso ain't getting a look in. Tommy Asso wouldn't bring anything more to the to the game than Ben White does for me. I, honestly, for for. At the mm -hmm. moment, the way he's playing, I don't think he'd bring anything more. So why bring him in? Also, that left-hand side has been our weakness. Gabriel, when he's exposed down there, when he has to run the channel with someone, is our weakness. So for me, that's the side that needs the support. I think Saliba can take the right-hand side on his own when Ben White goes forward. I think he's a because they're such different players. You've got the aggressive Gabriel who likes to step in, win the ball. Saliba only steps in when he can definitely win it and he's going to move forward with it. But most of the time, he's happy to take you on a run, get you in that deep position, even do a Cruyff in the box 
send you on a on a on a way day to Margate and then just turn out to the right and lay the ball off or play it forward. So he's very confident, very two very, very different players. Uh, Saliba's a reader and a, a, a cover a cover player. How many times have you seen Saliba going short and Gabriel go around the back of him and cover him? You don't see it. You mm-hmm. don't have to. You don't have to. But every time Gabriel goes in, you can see Saliba edging across. He, he's got that on his mind. He's having a look, ready to dive in. So I think when the manager looks at that and looks at the way the team are playing, especially since coming back from the break and on this great run of, of scoring all the goals, I think the best balance for these two players is to have a left back alongside Gabriel so that the left back can cover him and Gabriel can cover the left back. On the other side, you don't need it. I think it works best. And then that allows Ben White to go in. That speeds Ben White up on the ball. He's he's a tidy player in the midfield, Ben White. We know when he came, he, he could play in front of the back four as well. It was like a holding midfield, it was talked about, when he wasn't a right back. Um, so mm. I think it's it's finding a really nice shape, that that back four. But and I don't I don't see any any reason at all to change it. But you mentioned Jesus. If he's fit, I think I'd have him in the team. So I think I'd, I'd crowbar him in somewhere. I don't know where. I'd, yeah, I think I'd have to crowbar him in because I just think that that he does bring so much to the team. You know, I've, I've, you know, I just do. I, 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 I like the way he plays. I, I just to jump in real quick. Uh, and by the way, I put that picture up because it's Kev's favourite of um, Saka and uh, and Ben. Uh, he just loves this shot, like Ben in the background. Yeah. He's such a cool customer. I just absolutely love him. He's yeah, brilliant, he is, he absolutely is. brilliant. Um, I agree with you in the sense that there's, it's undeniable that Jesus was part of the nucleus, uh, you know, for the Arsenal trailblazing way to play in this particular Arsenal 2.0 because, you know, we had lazy players. We didn't have hustlers. We had players who really didn't, want to play so intensely off the ball and he changed that that season he came in and when we lost him and Eddie stepped in and did a good job you know in the early days but then as it went on you saw what you were missing the difference for me is I would have that Jesus in the team in the team any every day but when you see a scoring goals the way we are and I know it's not just a striker scoring goals goals are coming from everywhere Dave when you see like Trossard burying chances, Havert scoring now, um, Saka is uh, having a, a went from everyone talking about having his worst season to we'll, we'll, I'll put the stats up in a minute. He seems to need ten chances to score one. He seems like that type of striker. Even he's talked about his lack of goals. He's not a goal scorer. Would you still, with that said, would you still have him in the team when you look at the goals we've been scoring and the kind yeah, of I'll, goals I'll be- we've been scoring? When I say I, when I say I'm having him in the team, I'm having a team. I'm having him in the team when he's playing his best. Let's, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying, you know, after injury, after not being in the side for a long time, then it, yeah, it's difficult to put him in a side that's that's flowing. But if you if you're going to ask me if if I've got to make a decision between starting with Trossard or a or a Jesus who's not been involved for a little while and might not be up to match speed, I I personally would have a Jesus because. He's he's hunts down defenders better. He hunts down when they're on the ball. Mm. He, he he occupies their mind a bit more. 
I don't know if uh, Trossard's a great player. I mean, he comes in off the flank and he, he's got he makes some great runs. And but I don't think he's a player. If I was playing against him, I wouldn't mind playing against Trossard. But if I was playing against Jesus, I'd be I'd, I'd be up for you know a tough day at the office. I feel, and he'd be in my head. He'd be a player mm. that I'd be thinking he's in my head. And um, so from that point of view, I'd have him. But in this system they're playing, if you're playing Havertz and, and Trotard ain't even getting in the side and you're playing Martinelli, Erdegaard and Saka, then he's not getting in that side right at this moment. He's, he's not getting in front. For me, he's not getting in front of Havertz because Havertz is it in form. And the last thing you want to do is take a player out when he's just starting, when he's creeping up and he's creeping up. Because towards the end of the season, that's what you want. You want players going like that. You don't want players up here and then they've got a chance of tipping off. You want players who are getting better and better. And mm. he's getting better and better. So you've got to stick with that. You're not going to really stick Jesus out on the left instead of Martinelli. I don't think so. I think he gets a bit lost out there. You're certainly not going to swap him for Saka. And Erdegaard is a club captain. And when he's playing well, we've already discussed. We need him in the team. Um, mm. So he's not getting in in today's side, but out of him and Trossard, I'd, I'd have I'd have him all day long. Excellent stuff from Dave Hillier, um, former Arsenal midfield maestro, winner of trophies, won the shirt, kissed the badge, he's done it all. Oh, by the way, something came up on Tom Canton's show the other day, and I was pretty sure of the answer of this, but it came up about the touring and, of course, the announcement that Arsenal were coming to the US. Um, and every, someone was asking if Arsenal had ever been to Africa. Now, I know you guys met Mandela, but did you meet Mandela when he was in London or did you guys go to South Africa, Dave? I I didn't meet Mandela. I was injured at the time and I didn't go. It was a tour. They, it was, I'm not sure if it was in South Africa. I can't be 100%. You'd have to ask, probably Ian Selly would be a good guy to ask. I'll find out okay. for the, the next week. Um, All right. But yeah, def definitely. I I didn't go. I got injured at the end of the season. I think I missed. I was um, I had uh, ligament damage, medial ligament, and I've been in plaster. Um, so I didn't go. Um, but yeah, I mean, gutted. I, that would have been a great photo because all the lads got pictures with it. There is. There's a brilliant photo. Maybe Gunnar Russ or Fergus can help me if they're still in yeah. the chat. They yeah. they might remember. It, away, if... it wasn't in this country. I'm sure yeah, I'm hundred percent sure it weren't in this country. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, Hit the like button, 333 of you in live chat. It's a brilliant discussion um, with Dave on the Arsenal. Uh, let's talk about, we've talked about Odegaard, Havertz, Jorginho, Benjamin White. Um, fifth talking point this evening. I've got a bonus one for you and also a quick fire round. And then you're going to answer some questions, all right? We're giving it to you tonight, people. Is there a weak link in this team? And if so... What is it? Or who? Well, there's definitely a weak link in the team. The bench, for me. The bench. Ooh. And particularly, and I'm not, I'm not, there's always players that are, you know, going to be hurt by comment, but this ain't to hurt anybody. And he's, he's, done a, he's done a great job for the club. But I just cannot see Eddie and Ketia getting any more or higher levels at this club. He's tried so hard. He's working so hard. And it's, it's, to me, he's a bit like Joe Willock. He come in the side and he was like, 
he'd be on fire in little bits and he showed wicked bits of class and he's committed and he's honest and he's he's fully behind the team and he's 150% Arsenal. He's got cannons in his blood and all that. But at that level, there's a little bit missing. And and it's not just him. It's 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 as a, a offensive presence. I think it's very difficult when you look at our bench. If you're an opposition, if and, and I'm talking about when you're playing the top six. I'm not talking about when you're playing other teams because he can come on and he'll get goals against Forest and he'll get goals against Burnley and against but we all know it's the it's the results against the the top six where you've got to, you've got to turn over points. Um and I just I feel when I look at the bench there's not enough offensive prowess on that bench other than the likes of probably Trossard. I mean Reese Nelson can come on and do a few skills and excite the crowd and he come on against Forest didn't he and he 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 turned the game for us and Scored before half time, after half time, whatever, and and changed the game and got points for us. Important points. But when you want to be a threat, when you want to be feared by other teams, you need five names on the bench where the other team look and think, for fuck's sake, I've been playing 70 minutes and they're going to bring him on. Oh my (laughs) God. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think teams feel that when when them players come on. If Mm. If I'm honest, if I'm honest. And that you know that's just that's just how it is. But but it, and that's probably an area where Arsenal need to strengthen. It's not a weakness if you're five nil up and that's your bench. It's not a weakness. It's only a weakness when you're two one down, and your centre forward spent, and you've got to bring someone on who's going to change the game. That's mm. when it's a weakness. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and so let so so do you would you still feel the same way about the bench? With a fit Zinchenko, a fit Tomiyasu, a fit Jesus, a fit Thomas Partey, a fit Emil Smith Rowe. Does it look better to you a little bit, or do you? Is you it just like that Manchester defenders? So if, if yeah, I'm going to change the game yeah. and I, and I okay. want to bring Tomiyasu ain't going to come on and win the game. Zinchenko ain't going to come on and win the game for you. Right. Yeah. And Low Smith Rowe is working his way back into the side. I think he's missed out a vital period of mm-hmm. being in the team, um, and. You know, I, I I don't see him changing the game that much, coming on and making such an impact. You know, so <laughs> you, yeah, you know no. left with Jesus, aren't you? And if Jesus is coming back from injury, then he ain't necessarily going to come on and set the world on fire. Totally. You know, he ain't like Man Man City. Hold hold on, ten minutes to go. Let's bring De Bruyne on. Hold on, he gets a goal and an assist. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You That's you the never. Kind of you Universally, the chat is agreeing with you. There's 345 people in here, and I believe they are all agreeing with you. And Carol tells us, Jayberg, 1993. So it there was go. there. Okay, fantastic. I knew one of them. I'm out there Friday. You you love going Cape to Town. South Africa, huh? Cape Town, bit of friendship. Might go up to nice. the pool and have a game of golf, you know? Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Fergus says we've been to Rwanda, but not played in Africa. I should think so with them being on our shirt sleeve. I mean, I'm happy they're coming back to the States. Trust me. Good for me. But I do feel for fans in other continents. I think it's uh, if it was a little bit of time to go elsewhere. But when you can feel SoFi Stadium and you can feel, you know, MetLife Stadium and you guys want I, you know Osserman up front next yeah. season. <laughs> that stadium's in. Where's my cap gone? Where's my cap gone? It's fell off the, the Philly chair. Stadium. Philly Stadium. Mm-hmm. Can't yep. wait. 
It was a rumor yeah, yeah. when I was out there a little while ago, and you were supposed to join, but unfortunately you couldn't. And you was yes. very well missed. But I know, um, you know, things weren't great for you at that time. Um, there was a rumor that it was going to be Wrexham versus Arsenal in that stadium. That's but, my Wrexham. That's my Wrexham scarf yeah, right there. Yeah. They it, came it to play LA Galaxy, and I got a half and half scarf, but yeah. I only show this half. But yeah, Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool in Philly. So um, yeah, I'm hoping for the invite. Anyone in Philly, um, get me back out. Listen, there. the Philly crew, bring the band back together. That's what I say. Bring yeah, the band back together. Me and Stove Are- on com. <laughs> All right, stick with us. Um, you've still got some time, right, Dave? You've got time yeah, yeah, to yeah, hang I've for a little time. bit. Okay, yeah. because there's a player that I want to ask you if I owe Kivior an apology. All right. Because a little while ago, and maybe it's because when Arteta was asking him to come in and play the Zinchenko role, uh, I actually may have said that he looked a little bit like a donkey. But that's, and that's mean really. And, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I hold my hands up. However, in football terms, not Tony Adams style, but in football terms, it just felt maybe I jumped the gun and I judged him too quickly hadn't really been given an opportunity, but I, I just felt like I couldn't see it. Do I owe Kivior an apology? Have you been impressed or do you need to see more? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's grown in the role. I think he was asked a lot of him um, to step in and, and do that Zinchenko role and to step inside when it's, when it's, not in your, when it's out of your comfort zone you know, and you're just trying to make your way in your team, it's it's a double whammy, isn't it? It's not like it's not like he's been in the team for six months and the manager said, Look, I want you to tuck inside a little bit and play and he's been watching and, and he knows the feel and he's up with a Premier League pace. So um yeah, I absolutely you owe him an apology because there ain't no donkeys in that side. There's no donkeys that, that cross the pitch. If you're if you're good enough to get over that white line at the Emirates and put on one of them one of them eighteen shirts, you, you're not a donkey. Um and a lot of the time you're just you're just not playing the right role, and I think in in the recent games with the confidence and he knows he, he knows where he should be and where he's re- required to be at the right time. He knows what risks to take and what not to take. He's starting to understand his role, and he's you know football's a simple game. Do the simple things right, and you'll have a great game every week. Work hard, keep the ball. If you're a defender, defend. If you're an attacker, attack. You'll have a you'll have a decent game. You'll have your seven and eight out of ten, and you can build on that. And I think you know he got the he got the goal. He was a little bit fortunate. He had a tiny deflection, but that shows confidence. When when you're mm. confident and you're attacking the ball in the box, and you're thinking you have to believe you're going to win that header. You don't you don't win any headers that you don't believe in. You always come second. So it shows you that he's believing in his own ability. Um, his, his passing's got a lot tidier. He does give the ball away now and again, but but ultimately we need him there as a defender because he don't want to encroach Martinelli's space. He don't need to be overlapping Martinelli. Let, let Martinelli go and do his thing on the wing. Um, yeah, and I think I think he's tidy. I think it, and I think he deserves to stay in the side. Um, if, if Julian Timber was fit, I would have liked to have seen what he would have been like now because when I saw him in pre-season, he was on fire. He had pace, power, yeah. touch, good defender. He made the right decisions on when to step into the midfield and when to play forward. He knew defending was his first 
job. That was the, the thing he had to do first before he could was allowed to go and enjoy himself. You got to defend mm. first. And he was strong and fast. So a bit disappointing. But then Kivio has been brought in. He wasn't expecting to be in the side as well. You've got to remember that. Um I think I think he's he's finding his feet in the side at the right time, just when the when the side need him. So I, I think he's keeping Zinni out. I like, and you know what? You guys know, squaddies, that when I'm wrong, I admit I'm wrong. Okay. I might need a couple more games, but I was definitely wrong to suggest that as but that's a... not saying sorry, Soph. That's just saying you was wrong. That's just No, I'm sorry. Guilt. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry okay, I called fine. you a donkey. There that was go. wrong. I shouldn't that's have done that. It was in the heat of the moment. You know, I'm really working on my Greek passion side. I feel like I've mellowed out a little bit. Also, life experiences make you realize and sit back and think to yourself. I did this whole thing last week on, you know, Mikel's all or nothing, the journey versus the destination. And for since the beginning of last season, the, even the end of the season when we didn't qualify for the Champions League, I started soaking up and enjoying the journey a lot more. Uh, and I think so, that's so what, what what you're saying, Sophie, is that you're developing and maturing in your role. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like the that... Arsenal players are, just like Kivior is. You're I mean, seriously, your I am yeah. Kivior. I used to be a donkey, and now I'm I'm here. I'm here. I am wrong sometimes, Newman. I do love how you're my lawyer, though. Um, and Mohammed from Palestine is here and he's been, re he's been sending lots of messages for you. Please so send my regards to Dave. He's Frank fair analysis. Uh, absolutely you got tons, tons and tons of love in, um, in the chat from everyone. And we love having him here too. go follow him as well, by the way, guys. Uh, he's not as, he, you're not as active on the old Twitter. I, the guys here know I say it's to every guest, I don't say so X. I'd get myself in trouble. <laughs> I was thinking of doing, I was thinking of starting an Instagram thing about, um, about like all people making excuses and, you know, for, for their situations and that just in life in general. But I don't, then when I listened to what I was going to say, I thought, I can't go out there and say that. <laughs> it's just, it's not me. And so, yeah, I just, I, um... I'm one of them people that type messages and then cancel it all and delete it. That's what I, I do. I do that. I do that I do, a lot. I do it all the time. I, every message I send, start, it just gets deleted. <laughs> I save it as a draft and then I go back in and I read it and then still I'm like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's doing that. Channel the English side of your channel being born in London. Don't channel being from Greek descent. <laughs> do, do that. Be a bit yeah, more mellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Newman, you're still fighting for that coin, I know. Don't forget our good friends, Zenith Coins. Uh, go get your... 15% off, use code HS15 and, uh, you know, support the future, treasure the past. Uh, go check them out. There's something new coming out and I can't wait to share it with you guys. It's bloody amazing. But as always, thanks to Andrew and the gang over there. Right. Uh, one more quick before we do some quick fire questions, right? Here we go. Would it be crazy of me to suggest... Okay, so for so long, he's the Rolls-Royce, and you talked about their relationship. You talked about how they play, how they support each other, what Gabrielle does, what Saliba does, um, kind yeah. of, you know, sweeping up and how effective they can be when they have, like, a, a Kivior. I think he's been absolutely amazing, and maybe our, I would say, player of the season. It's it's a close call with this this guy. There's no doubt about that. But he's a beast. Is he is he proving this year, or is it just this season, that he's playing better than Saliba? Or 
is he a better player than Saliba? Gabriel. Yeah. I can't even. My headphones won't let me crash my head on. Absolutely not. If if Gabriel goes out of the side, we we still stand a chance. If Saliba goes out of the side, we're dropping out of the top three. I'm telling you that now. If Saliba goes out, we saw what happened last year after Christmas when he was injured, when we didn't have him. What happened? And, mm. and if he goes out of the side, so that then that that defense, that that knowledge, that calmness, that that um that reading of the game, that smoothness is gone. It's just like we're taking chances. We're back to we're back to um giving away goals due to mistakes. This season, we haven't hardly done that. Last season, I think we was we was top for goals conceded from direct mistakes in the in the defense when he weren't playing. But we ain't we ain't in that position now with him there. He, he's mm. Ben White can go in. It's a no-brainer. It's not even a question. Because uh, and Gabri- I think Gabriel would say that. Because it, we could replace Gabriel. You could have someone in there who'd come in. If Mavropanos was still at the side in, in our club and played alongside Saliba, I think they'd be doing after after he got in his flow, got in his rhythm, you know, had a few games, I think he'd be thinking, oh, yeah, this, this back four wouldn't be a lot different. I'm, and I'm not disrespecting Gabriel for that. Gabriel brings a, a lovely balance. He's aggressive. He's he's passionate. He, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He celebrates every tackle, you know, in the box. And mm-hmm. he, 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 he bonds players together. With, he he galvanises them with his, with his attitude and the way he is. Saliba don't do none of that. He does a little high five, yeah, good tackle, but he's so calm and humble. If you saw him in the car park, I, when I'm getting in my car sometimes, I see the see the lads go into the players' car park and and getting. Uh, he just strolls along in a tracksuit with a with his little bag, and he don't have no entourage around him. He might have one person. He's just strolling along. People are saying, "All right, Saliba," and he's like, "Yeah, all right." And some of the other players are, are like so hyped up because they've just won a game. They're like, "Yeah, they're looking for people. They're having photos." But he's just. He's just gliding through the car park. He's he's so chill, and I think that mm. he bring, no one can bring that. So if he's the key player, we could we could if we lost Odegaard, I think he's more important than Odegaard in the team because he's in defence. Well, if we concede, my- we lose. So he's our he's our most. By the way, Saliba is a baller. Gabby is a warrior. Warrior. I like that. I call them Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, um, do you think they're the Best pairing in Europe, but also you just made a, a statement. Is so he's our most important player to you? Yeah, I think so. I think he's it, for for me when I watch him every week. The 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 interventions he makes on the pitch are key, mm. absolutely. And you've got to remember when he's playing now with Ben White on that side, he's doing two jobs. He's doing the centre half and he's doing the right back job. And and he's he, he's key for me. I think we've got players that can come in and cover other players and we can we can compensate in other areas and deal with it you know if we lost Saka we can have Trossard on one side and Martinelli can go over on the right or whatever or you know we we can move players around but we ain't got no one to fill that position if he's out of there you know Mm -hmm. he could play alongside Tommy Asu at centre-back Tommy Asu could play left side centre-back and be be fine You, you get away with two or three games but yeah. you, you stuck Tommy Asso alongside Gabriel for two or three games, you'd lose one of them. And that's no disrespect to them players. 
I just think he he's think got so much presence and he reads the game. And and the fact that he's in defence is it's about you know not conceding goals. When we won the league with George Graham, our remit was not to concede a goal. We didn't we didn't care whether we scored. We had Ian Wright. We knew we'd score. Right, mm. and and we had we had great we had Alan Smith, you know we had even Perry Perry used to pop up with the goals when other people didn't score. Anders, we had all them players, but the key was not to concede, and we didn't because we had Boldy and Adams and Nigel <laughs> and, and, and um, Dicko. Yes, what a team, the lads. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I remember what happened last season, but we also lost Thomas Partey again, and we lost Tommy Yasu again. We lost all three. So it was had, a trifecta. Well, we had a party all season. So, you know. Well, that's he true. Played, we... He ain't played a party in it, has he? There you go. You like what I did there. So <laughs> I like that. All right. Let's get to your questions um, right here. Uh, let's see. Yes, Jean Rene loves listening to Dave's analysis. Absolutely brilliant. Um, let's see. Lynn says, do you think that Jesus, um, don't you think that Jesus less more time away from the front three? And so when we need him up front, I don't know if that makes sense. Do you know what are you talking about, Lynn? Am I reading that wrong? Am I being, let's see up front if he isn't there. I, mean, I, I think, think you answered saying... that. Yeah. Yeah, is she saying that the, the more time he's away from being part of the team? In the front three. Yeah. The less yeah, yeah. we're going to need him up there, or the less effective he's going to be. Which I think we talked about, and you said that you would play yeah. him because he's important. How about I make it up yeah, to yeah, Lynn yeah, and put yeah, this yeah. question up, Dave? If we were to sign Neto, how much would he improve the team? Yeah. Do you rate well, him? Yeah, I rate him. I rate him when he's playing wide. Yeah, I think I think in a wide position because we ain't playing. He's got the movement. He's got the pace. I think he fits into the age bracket that the. That the the manager wants, you know, young players. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he'd, he'd, he'd be a key player. But but you know, if someone else is in form, they're not. He's not going to play. Um, and there is a certain style that the manager wants to play. So you've got that adjustment. You can't just come in and be Neto. You know, be the player of I, I, I am at this club or I was at that club. You've got to be an Arsenal player now. So there is an adjustment, an adjustment time. I mean, we we got Declan Rice and. And he, he seemed like he, I think he'd been studying Arsenal for the previous prior six months on what he had to do when he came into the side because he looked like a perfect fit. Not everybody's going to be that. But um, mm. yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be up for getting any players that are going to improve the squad and improve our attacking stuff. I mean, you know, go and grab Vinicius Jr. if you like. He'd, he'd be a little nice, tidy oh, addition. Stop. Now you're just teasing. Um <laughs> Let's see. Who would you, seeing as we're on this train, who would you drop for Jesus? Martinelli is ahead of Trossard. Who would I drop? Yeah. I mean, the obvious answer is Trossard because it seems like Martinelli's that first choice. Um, Martinelli's had some good games. I don't think he's having a great season. He needs to look up more. His head's too... I think, he's hit. I think Trossard needs other people to get him in the game. Mm. Martinelli can get himself in the game. I've we we've seen him come on a sub, yeah. haven't we? And absolutely rip the arse out of, of a fullback who's a bit tired in the 60th minute, and it's like fuck me, he's on fire. And the whole mindset of the the front thing, front three or four has changed. He can do that. Trossard mm. needs to come on, but he still needs that Erdegaard pass or or someone to open it up for him. Do you know what I mean? He's dependent on other people. Um, still quality. 
but dependent on others where I think Martinelli can can be that um can be that catalyst on his own. I think he can mm-hmm. he can he can change games, definitely. Okay. I'm gonna I have to ask you this one just because I love it and he's fun and he's he's he just does shit like this all the time. But he watched you play a lot, of course. He's old this Newman's old. Dear Mr. Hillier, <laughs> when you was on the bench, did you hope someone would play shit so you could get on? <laughs> you know what, right, Mr. Newman? I've got to say, <laughs> I very rarely was on the bench, mate. Oh. I, either, I, no, I, either, I either played or I didn't play. Because what are you going to want me on the bench for? You know, to come on. We didn't We didn't play a, a game where where we got to two and then then sat on it and tied it up we didn't bring we didn't bring defenders on to try and like kill the game at the end we just played for 90 minutes that was the way it was 4-4-2 like for like changes um so so George would have only brought players on to change the game and as much as I love myself (laughs) I weren't a game changer (laughs) although I think I did come in I did come on in a game they might want to look at I did come on in a game when we was losing one nil and he took off then Dennis Bergkamp came off, I think it was with Bruce Rioch, and I went on and we drew one all. We got back in it because he took Bergkamp off and I went on. But I don't know if I had It's much amazing to do how yeah. many times Bergkamp was subbed. The most yeah. sub player under Wenger. But man, how how long that was the once did you leave to Portsmouth after that first that Bruce Rioch season? Yeah, and I was at I was at the club for about five or six weeks when Wenger was there, but he was still with Grampus Eight under contract, so he couldn't start the start of the season. Mm. Um, but he was he was influential in influential in the training. He was still directing things from sort of remotely, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. And then I got moved to Portsmouth. I knew well. I, I knew when Patrick Vieira moved into my <laughs> into the changing room and, and, and took my peg. And I got put in the next the next changing room down. I knew I knew there was something I afoot. Love it. But, uh, oh, I love but he was it. Patrick was quite tidy, so I you know I'll, I'll accept that. You know, I'll take it on the <laughs> what was it like um, when you saw Dennis train? Were you like I know we've talked about this before, but we got a bunch of new listeners and stuff like that. Was it just like jaw dropping or not really? Well. When when you a lot of the the European players that came in were were technically really good. I mean, mm. Ziggy Johnson, he was a great player. You know, technically he had a nice touch. He worked hard. Um, yeah. So so when he I mean, Stefan Swartz, when he came in, it was like, who is this guy? He's he's proper tidy. You know, the only I think the only player they brought in that was a bit like me was John Jensen. And we was, you know, we was just grafting midfielders, but he was Danish and they're just like, they're a bit like us, aren't they? They're, they're pretty like stock standard, you know, just work out, work horses in the midfield, blah, blah, blah. Apart from the odd one that is super special. But um, yeah, Dennis was, it was just his professionalism is just the way he carried himself. He was just different. And then, you know, everything was about his first touch. I mean, it, mm. it, he was, he was fantastic. He, he had a beautiful touch and the way he, he did it was graceful it was effortless you know when when we did a running session he'd do the same running we did but he never looked tired he looked like a thoroughbred as opposed to some of us that were like <laughs> but still yeah. we still got the same sort of end results but he just 
he just looked like it was just so easy for him. You know, I love Gunnar Ross, what he's saying, because to me, these are all unsung heroes, these kinds of players like Dave, Kevin, Selly, um, Stefan, you know, Martin Hayes is another one that Super Kev brings up uh, a lot as well. Love the, I agree with you, Gunnar Ross. Yeah, su superb stuff. Okay, let's get some more questions in. <laughs> Patrick Vera came in as an upgrade. I know, it's brilliant. I love it. It's just, ah. We're gonna, it, was, we'll, it was an upgrade. It was like going from a. It was like going from a. I don't know a nineteen seventies Austin, <laughs> and all of a sudden someone's <laughs> dropped a Merc outside the front of your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it is what it is. It is. What you it still is. wore it, that it, number it, four, mate. Uh, you yeah, still yeah, wore yeah. that number time, four. A lot of time. A lot. Of time. Yes, you yeah. did, and you still won in, in that though. jersey. Oh my gosh, mate! Tell look, I've said to you and Kev before, it's beautiful. You guys give us some of the best memories and moments of our lives. We forget about what's happened in our own life and we're reminded and can remember because of football moments. Hold on, we won the league in 89. Where was I? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was in Cyprus with my You know, it's just, that's just how life works. So um, let's get to, seeing as, all right, I'll, I'll allow another oldie question. Do you think, Dave, do you, do you think you moved at the right time when you heard Wenger cut out the food, <laughs> the players? No. Couldn't I, made, I definitely made the wrong move. 100%. I don't, I'm never, a, I don't, I'm never an if, buts or maybe person. I've never have been in my life. I've always been, you know, it's a fair cop or, you know, I take it on the chin, decisions I make. Um, and I don't have no regrets about anything I've done, good, mm. bad or ugly. But I wish I'd just give myself a little bit more time to get into that mindset that, that he had, you know, I, and this, I'm not disrespecting Ray Parler when I say this, right? But when he came, Ray was a good player. You know, he was, he, he, but he wasn't the player that he became under Arsene Wenger with his guidance. Ray tidied himself up a bit, worked on certain parts of his game. Um, and I think that was because Tony was, was really close to Ray. And I think Wenger had to get, Tony had had his troubles and mm. Wenger came at the right time for Tony. And he, he turned Tony from in, from a donkey into a Rolls Royce, didn't he? Because that's mm -hmm. what everybody used to think he was. But there was a there was a real player inside there. He was always Arsenal. He was always committed. He was always 150%. But then the player came out. The football in mind came out, the player. And I would have liked to have had that opportunity. And it, but mm. it was my decision to go. You know, I went for the Greens, you know, and I, I, no, no bones about it. I was underpaid and overworked at Arsenal massively and Portsmouth offered me a really a really nice contract and I had a, a new family at the time and I had to make decisions on you know I wanted things to be paid off I wanted things to be sorted and that mm. was the decision I made but when I look back now I think I would have loved to have been involved in the 97 98 99 2000 sort of era um, with them guys and just to to grow with them. If I'd have been handed like a four year contract, then I'd have sat it out, and I'd I'd have gone on a free, but give the money back to Arsenal. That that would have suited me. I wouldn't have been bothered, but I would have liked to have had those maybe four or five years with Arsenal to see. What I love how honest I love how honest you 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 are about that answer because um, we had Jack Wilshire on uh, about a year ago, maybe a bit longer, and he too regretted leaving. He 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 regretted. He, what kind of, he, he, I say he had, he never realized how 
good it was until he left, until he was in another dressing room. And I know that Jack's situation, probably, I don't know if it's a little bit different, the injuries and everything, but one of those things was that wherever he went, he just missed not being at the Arsenal. Yeah, difference yeah. being, Stove, though, I left when it was shit because I'd had Bruce Rioch, who was a yeah. dick. So, so that had run me down anyway. You know, he that that had put me off of not put me off of Arsenal, but I'd lost I'd lost my um, commitment to the manager. I weren't committed to the manager anymore. Whereas with George and even with when when Stuart Houston took over, um, I love Stuart, so it was fine. He was George's sidekick. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so it was still in it, it, that was still in my mind, but. For me, Riot killed it. Um, he killed the, the atmosphere and the, the camaraderie that we that we brought together as a club. So I was I, I I my regret is that I didn't give myself that opportunity to see this new refreshing person that was coming to the club that changed the face of English football, which he did absolutely. Um, and I would have liked to have done that. Whereas Jack Jack had it and gave it away. I didn't mm -hmm. even have it. I should have, I should have stayed with it, and so a little bit different. But I can understand. I mean, no, how many players have left Arsenal and gone on to do greater things? I mean, maybe Giroud, you could say, maybe Fabregas, um, but there ain't many that 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 leave and don't regret it. You know, when I, I just put Sanchez up, Alexis Sanchez, you could even go far back as you know, um, even Kleb at the time. Remember, he was a nice yeah. silky. Little yeah. player. I think the players that went to City did like Nasri and Clichy. They won stuff. They went there. But yeah, you're right. Know, There's look, a look at Nasri now. He's just a little fat bastard, isn't he? <laughs> so so he, he ain't happy. He can't be happy. He left. He left City. He left City before his contract was up. He, he fell out of favour. I mean, you know, all right. He's got a few quid, but if he'd have stayed at Arsenal, he'd be a hero. He'd be able to go back there and you know and and be a legend still. But oh my god! Leave, you, when you leave, you leave. I love, I love, uh, <laughs> I, I love you, so, mate. I do. You're the sorry, best. No, sorry, and Nazareth. it's true. No, no, Demsek. This is great insight in how a manager can lose the players too. Yeah, very, very good point. Very good point. And yeah, Bruce Rioch was a strange, strange one. Even for us fans, we were like, "What?" Just didn't yeah. seem to fit. He was polyfiller, the, uh, wasn't he? It was just polyfiller. Yeah, it, it yeah, came yeah. in to block a crack up, and that was it. Until yeah, I mean, David Dean. He had the he had the game plan in his mind. David Dean was a, a, a talk about. There ain't no no one more Arsenal than David Dean, um, mm -hmm. and he had he had he had it mapped out. He had it mapped out, and he, we just didn't have no one to fill in that space. And unfortunately, because yeah. um, of his success, I think at Bolton a little bit, you know, he got um, you know he got bumped forward. I like this, the quote from Seaman, players always say that when you join another club, um, that's when you realise how brilliant Arsenal is. And it's totally true. It is. Uh, excuse yeah. me. No, Bruce Rioch did not get Dennis. Okay. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> oh, think no. he... <laughs> we'll leave that one at there. All right. A few more questions here before we let... I, they want you here all night. We could be here for hours. I mean, it's brilliant stuff. I want to get one for you on, there was someone that asked a question about Yanto. Does David think we still need a proper number nine? I think if we had a proper number nine in the squad, it would be something that we could 
change our approach to some games with. It would be it would be nice to have that option. You know, you might want to play against a team who are, are really physical center, central defenders who are going to do a low block. So you might decide that it might be a game where you're going to put a few more deeper crosses in or something like that, where at the moment we like to play neat football and do get into the box and maybe cut it back or mm -hmm. play a near post cross. So it gives you more options. It's, it'd be great to have one in the squad, but I don't think it would be our default um our default system anymore. I don't, I don't think it would suit because we don't, We for a start, we've got a, a right-footed player on the left wing and a left-footed player on the right wing. So it really doesn't suit a centre-forward header in it because everything's an in-swinging cross and they're not they're not the easiest balls mm. to get right or to get on the end of. You know, mm. you want a right-footer crossing it in, coming out towards a penalty spot and a big centre-forward coming in and nailing it. So we don't really play that way, but it'd be a lovely option if we needed to mix it up at the end of a game for 20 minutes and, you know, stick a stick a big, you know, big unit on up front to, to out-muscle the central defenders are maybe a bit tired. Um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no, yeah. absolutely. Who, Elliot will kill me if I don't. He's asked me 500 times. So what striker would you like if you were going to bring someone in or a mould of? It doesn't have to be a name. Like, is it a Giroud? Like, Giroud, another player that left, by the way, who did quite well, though. Um, is it that type of player? It's not Tony for you, but is it a plan B player? It, 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 for me, it's got to be, for me, it'd have to be an impact sort of player. Um, it, he'd have to have physicality, pace. Um, Harland. That'll be a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'd like him on the bench. He wouldn't get in the team every week though, because you know we wouldn't be able to change the way we play. But yeah, someone in about, in, in Harland in Harland's um, style. What about someone like Evan Ferguson from Brighton? Someone like that. You like he or Vlavic? That name. I, I don't. I name. don't mind. Yeah, but again, you've got to play. You're talking about if you if you stick a number nine in, you're talking about changing the way the rest of the players are yeah. playing. But this is so, a plan B, not to start. This would be, you know, on the bench. We need a goal. Come on, not like pilot or pilot all. You know, George Graham cross the ball in Bosch. Yeah, who's that? I mean, who's that guy who plays for Brentford? The tall um, guy up front, black guy. Tony. Uh, no, not Tony. Yeah. Um, well, does he play for Bournemouth? Are Bournemouth. you thinking of Solanke? Solanke. Sol Solanke. He plays for Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah, Solanke. I'm thinking of Solanke. Someone like He's that. He's had one good season, that guy, and everyone's going nuts about him. It's, yeah, someone, someone like him who can come in and 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 the other thing is he'd be hungry to prove himself because he's only getting little little chances. So you'd you'd have 20 minutes of maximum effort and potentially, you know. A decent finish and get you a goal. Um, so yeah, maybe someone like that. All righty, okay. Uh, two more. I've got so many questions. Are you going to come back? Can you just come back once a week? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Come back. Oh, this is amazing. I love it. Um, it's brilliant stuff. Like, okay, so let me pick a good one here. We talked about Havertz four four two Demsec. You know, actually, you and Kev, do you remember about a year and a half ago on the show, you were talking about when Arteta was struggling, um, why doesn't he just play 4-4-2? Because he had done. And we played quite well and we got a couple goals and 
you and Super Kev were saying, well, he should ad adopt a four four two. I just thought I'd throw that up there because I don't know if you still. I think I think when you yeah. I think four four two is 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 when things ain't going right for you. I think you know when you're you're losing your identity a bit and you want a bit of safety, and and you're bringing and you're making changes as well, and you don't want to complicate it too much for for players. Four four two is pretty easy. You know, you shuffle over one midfield player, your right hand side central midfield player attacks when the ball's going down on the left, and the left hand side one is a supporting player. There's all that. So the inter you don't interchange positions in a four four two, and yeah, it probably would. It probably would suit. I don't know whether Havertz it, again. Havertz is a bit like Giroud. I, when Giroud was up front, my frustration with Giroud was that he weren't Alan Smith, right? Because Alan mm. Smith, when he receives the ball, backs in. When you back in and you receive the ball down at you, in in the space that you're creating, the space in front of you is still open for other players. Giroud used to take the ball into that space on his first touch, and it made it difficult for the midfielders. Havertz does that as well. He doesn't like the physical side, he won't back into players. He'll drift into the little spaces or he'll try and get in behind. Um, so I don't think Havertz and, and Jesus would work. Jesus would be a good wingman for, for Haaland <laughs> if, when we get him. Um, yeah, so if, if them two were up front, yeah, I'd play 4-4-2 every week if we could get Haaland and, and play Jesus off him. <laughs> then, then things would work out fine. You're pushing this Haaland thing. Everyone's talking about Ollie Watkins. Uh, we'll do another show with Dave or we'll talk about, because Gunnar Rose asked about yeah, Ollie Watkins. transfers. Yeah, absolutely. And stuff. Another great player, impact player who can come on and just, you know, have that little bit of fire in his belly for 20 minutes because of the desire of wanting to, mm. wanting to get the winning goal. He'd be a great addition. Yeah. Someone like Ollie. I like these comments. Fantastic stream. Come on, you Gunners. Learning a lot. Big up. Yanto, uh, we love you, David. Please be here more often. So many comments like that, and we've been on air for an hour and a half. So I'm going to let Dave go get Dang. like a, um, I don't know, a tea at this hour. I might um, have a no, beer I'm, later. I'm have you not you, noticed? Look, I've um, I've, I put on look, a bit of timber. You look right? really lean, though. I put on. I put. I went up to. I'm going to say it on air. I went up to fourteen stone two. You told me and this, my, yeah. My playing weight was 12 and a half stone, and that was three weeks ago. Tomorrow, I started a kind of keto and calisthenics kind of diet and exercise mm -hmm. thing, and I've lost 17 pounds. And I'm, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I'm doing exercise. Nice. Every day. I, I work hard, don't I? I'm a grafter, so I'm out every day working. Yep. But um, yeah, I've been training hard. That's epic. Working hard, low calorie, no carbs as well. Having it, no carbs for three weeks. Do you know I didn't eat carbs for ten years? I was at my thinnest then, maybe too skinny. But I me, mean, I've put on weight since Mum passed away. I just eat, yeah. you know. I'm yeah, a comfort eater. Yeah. Some people yeah. talk to me about um, the grief, you know, like the grief diet. Uh, you either go one way or the other, and I started yeah. going the other way. So I've had yeah. to like rein it in a little bit. Uh, as well too yeah but yeah, keep been, it up you look great taking care of it lots of lots of red meat and lots of salad that's what i'm having so it's like two steaks and a salad that's my dinner <laughs> it's not bad it's not bad i like it i love a salad it's, defi it's definitely um yeah it's definitely i, really I do. definitely feel good at the moment um gun a question for when's the next show thursday gonna do a show with tom canton it's gonna be epic we've got a great subject for you you guys are gonna love it 
Um, let's let this one marinate for two or three days. It's an hour and a half. Please share it with all your mates. It's been absolutely brilliant. And yeah, you're right, Chief Like Officer, uh, Tammy Steeles. Uh, please hit the like button on the way out. I mean, you got free entry into the club, so you may as well just hit it out. Oh, I used to have curves. Very voluptuous. Oi, oi, so boy, oi. This is me back in the day. This is me and... Um, you see that? It's with that's Mel all that, Brooks. That's all that was, moussaka, wasn't it? That was all that moussaka. That's what it was. When I was working at 20th and Century Fox. Look, it was all that. <laughs> yeah, that look good at that. Food. Lovely. Big boobies oh. and everything. Uh, yeah, that well, I was very young there as well. Very, very young. But yeah, we'll share old pictures next time you're on. How about that? Uh, give Dave some love. Go follow him. If you're not already, what are you doing? Uh, please do that. Keep the love coming in for Super Kev in the chat. So those of you listening on replay on YouTube, thanks so much as well. Um, super Dave has done a super job. I hope you appreciate it as much as I do. An hour and a half of his time um, spending with us. Uh, and, yeah, uh, thank you so much, Dave. Um, are we going to get a win this weekend? Yeah, right? Of course we're going to get Another win? Yeah, we're gonna win our next. Right. We're gonna win our next. What we got? Two games in Porto. Yes. Yeah. I feel Sheffield like we're gonna batter Porto at home. Sheffield United away. Sheffield United, home. come on! Yeah, got to do on, that. Brentford at home. Yeah. Build up. It's all happening. Porto. It's got to be another ten goals, isn't it? It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be another Home-y. ten goals before Porto, <laughs> at least. Yes, and a Saka hat trick. Should have let him stay on and get his hat trick the other day, but. Oh, by the way, it didn't do Saka. We'll do him next time. All right, we've got Come to go. On, Elliot, Lots... what's, what's Wait, I've got to answer Elliot. Elliot saying he don't want an impact player. He wants 20 goals a season. Elliot, we're talking about players off the bench with all respect. <laughs> and if you as a player, and there ain't many players that are going to get 20 off the bench. Um, you know, so really, if you're getting 15 minutes a game, you're going to be an impact player. Um, we need P- Podolski back. Get Podolski back. Scored more oh, goals off him. the bench than any other player, didn't he? And they was all from 45 yards. Which what was a amazing. cult hero. He's a cult oh, hero, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's a lovely yeah, bloke yeah. as well. Met him a couple of times. Lovely man. Lovely man. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for all the love. And Lynn, we hope you're feeling better too as well. Sending lots of love to you too. All the sweet messages for Super Kev. We'll see you on Thursday. Share this show with everyone. Tell them how brilliant Hills is because he share is. Share it. Share it. At ease, squaddies. At ease. Great. <laughs> Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad.